0: Top three, bottom three on the Upnerd Podcast Network. I am your host, the uneven flow, who occasionally introduces himself. I am not alone. I am joined by Abby. Can I say hello? Hello, Abby.
1: Thank you, Abby. So good of you to be here, Abby. I know it's a great, it's, we're gonna have a great episode today. We're gonna talk about The X-Files. And I don't know if all of you out there in Radioland know this, but I am actually the world's foremost expert on uh, on the X-Files. So this will be a fun episode to talk about.
0: Is expert spelled just X-pert? for it
1: is. It is, in fact. Sometimes you can just take out the dash, but sometimes it's hard to find in like, in like search engines. So top three, bottom three, the X-Files. This one is actually kind of interesting for a couple of reasons. One it's not the episodes, the bottom episodes and the top episodes were not the episodes I thought they would be. Some of them were. Some of them were very much not. Two, kind of on that same vein, I did not expect for all of the episodes that we watched, all six of them, to be within the kind of core run when you have both main show people, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, on. You would think that you know, you're missing Mulder that might be a season that has one of the worst episodes, but nope. So we are only really looking at seasons one to seven and I find it fascinating. In fact, I think even Flo was saying beforehand that the bottom three episodes, one, the the first one we're going to discuss is going to be Tesos Dos Bichos from season three and then there's two from season seven. But season three you were telling me, the world's foremost expert was the highest rated season. And it's, it's crazy to me that there is the worst episode of The X-Files in it.
0: The X-Files ran from 1993 through till 2018. If you go to the IMDb page, yeah, it's it did wild. not. It ran from seasons one through nine from 1993 to 2001. You're right. Season three... Or I'm right. <laughs> season three. We're right. Is the top rated season overall. By the way, I should note all of these ratings comes from IMDb, thus the yeah, show. But you're right. Season three had the worst overall episode, but is the highest overall season. That Which... means the other episodes, and these, by the way, are seasons of 25 or so episodes. Oh, yeah. Which is insane. And the ratings overall, the fact that it's able to make up for having the worst episodes in it of the entire series is amazing. It wasn't even the worst episode that we watched. No, but more on that later. Yeah. I will note the seasons overall are almost in order in terms of ratings. This means that seasons one through nine of the initial series populate the top nine seasons Mm -hmm. seasons 10 and 11 which are the revived x-files occupy 11 and 10 on the spots which also means
1: none of the episodes that we watched that were in the bottom were from that revival period yeah unfortunately
0: that's probably more damning Essentially, what it means is the average of those episodes was just bad overall. You're talking about a six episode season that couldn't crack either the top or bottom, but still ends up being two of the worst rated seasons overall. What this means is it was consistent. It was just consistently not good.
1: I have very strong opinions on the episodes that were considered for our consideration for this list, because of the constraints of of the show or the 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 function of the show, we got to go by IMDb ratings. I look forward to having one of our variety episodes where you put me in the hot seat, Mister, and you just and I can just go on and because I have very strong opinions and I I got to get them out. I can't just be yelling them into the shower as I as I scrub my hair fiercely. I can't just be doing that. I got to get them out. I got to get them out. Tesos dos bichos is a season three episode of The X-Files.
0: It sure was.
1: It sure was. Boy, I and I needed to pause there. The plot is as follows. Archaeologist is in a Spanish-speaking area. There's an archaeology team that are digging up native areas in, presum- I think they said it was Ecuador or something like yes, that.
0: Yes, it's an Ecuadorian urn that is discovered.
1: They discover an Ecuadorian urn. The Ecuadorian urn has an Ecuadorian in it. The Ecuadorian that is buried in the urn is supposed to be uh, an incredibly powerful shaman. And we are warned that we should not take the urn. It needs to be buried. It should be buried. And there's a, there's a, a native gentleman on a hill in, in full native regalia. And soon enough, boy, wouldn't you know it, the American archaeologist turns up dead, which is how Mulder and Scully get involved, I guess. I don't really know why they would send two FBI agents, but they get brought in
0: after the, the death of somebody at the museum oh, that that's the ruined. urn is subsequently brought to. The that's museum right. is owned by another American who, again, does not heed any of the warnings the urn is worked on by a very nice woman who does want to heed the warnings, but also likes having a job and needs to get paid like the rest of us.
1: Yeah. And it's it's the age old, you know, American or not even American, but you know, sort of white colonialism bad, which it is, but it's it's very interesting. Anyway. It's
0: not- handled very poorly in this episode. The episode ends up being very tropey and not the least of which We've touched on what happens, which is there's a series of murders related to people near the urn and in the proximity of it. What is related through these is that the murders are done by kitty cats.
1: Yeah, this episode takes you in a wild place. So we are led to believe that. And we never really get an answer to it in true X-Files fashion, but we are led to believe that the shaman in the urn from the Ecuador ground is able to, or is the representation of, or has some kind of access to the jaguar spirit. And so Mulder and Scully, when they find a dead guy in a museum in Boston, just a little liberal arts college, start finding evidence of somebody being killed kind of by a jaguar, but not really, because mostly they just find like little parts of things. And I guess in theory, there was a jaguar. We do get to see jaguar vision, which is a normal camera pointed at everything just with a fisheye lens and a little bit of, of green at the outside. So we do get to have jaguar spirit vision for some of this and you would think oh wow cool an episode of the x-files i get to see a jaguar that's cool you do not we do not get to see a jaguar what we do instead get to see is about 40 domesticated honestly quite well behaved house cats you get
0: to see a lot of cute kitty cats you and absolutely that's do. where the episode falls apart because there is no large cats we don't even know if the large cat was even in America, because the only things we see actually performing any of the killing or anything in America are the little house kitty cats.
1: Yeah. And when I when you say, you know, what the only thing we see, we don't we don't actually see it because they've done they've done a goosebumps. They've done a an Are You Afraid of the Dark where they cut away, but you can hear the sound of the happening. But it's it's not... A, you don't actually see the cat, like, take a swipe. Because they're, like, good domesticated house cats, Brent.
0: They're they're good cats, Brent. What's funny is they're able to break down doors. They're able to open metal vents. They're yeah. able to get into places that they could not yeah. get to. Yeah. This is not... Anyway, it's not great. They tried to that's eat Scully's face. Yes. That's, well, the episode really falls apart because the antagonists are your standard house cats. And so it just doesn't really work all that well. There is a sequence placed in the sewers where Mulder and Scully are trying to get away from a number of house cats. They're being chased. They come across a door that is in their path. And there's when David Duchovny looks through the window, it is filled with little house cats. Yeah. And here's the problem. When I see that, I go, ah, uh-huh, this is a fun little room. I'd love to go real play with a kitty cat. Both David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson name this as one of their least favorite episodes. The episode's director absolutely despises it. It just doesn't work that well. There's no, there's it's no boring. interesting villain. Yeah, it's boring. It is helped a ton by the brilliant performance of Doctor Alonzo Belac. By Vic Trevino, and when I say brilliant, I mean it is off the wall.
1: The man was paid to do a job, and by God, he did it.
0: He initially begins by channeling the great Ricardo Montalbán. He tasks.
1: Oh, there it is.
0: He tasks me. There's your... And I shall have him.
1: There's your Star Trek movie reference for the episode. All of you with your bingo cards, go ahead and put a big old X-ray on there. From hell's
0: heart, I step he eventually just goes into full wizzo where he's just sort of yelling loudly and emphasizing the wrong words uh it's it is a delight but again it does not make for a good episode
1: yeah it's the the original sort of thing where native american relics shaman thing revenge yeah. murder party and this this doctor i don't even know his name i i don't care as the uh it's not part of the required reading for the, the X-Files uh, 308 class. I don't even remember his name, but whoever he was, Ricardo Montalbanning.
0: Dr. Bielek.
1: He's, he's whacked out of his mind, except for one time that we see him on, they call it Yahé. It's basically peyote. So we have a guy who's sympathizing with the native plight, and he's just, he is out of his mind. He is blasted. He is on another plane of existence. Perhaps he sees the jaguar vision. It's not actually clear. You're kind of led to believe that, oh, maybe he's the jaguar spirit. But, the, I mean, he's just a—he's just on drugs. He's just on a lot of to drugs. To be fair,
0: Blasted Out of Your Mind might be the best way to watch this episode.
1: Listen, I, I have been on a lot of pain medication throughout my life. And I've seen this episode of The X-Files a number of times. And I still don't remember it. Those two things might kind of have a little bit more to do with each other now that I voice that out loud. But the point is.
0: It's coherent, though. I'll give it some credits in terms of. I don't think it is. We know why these things are happening, at least. There is a reason given whether you choose to believe it or no. There's also at least a bit of a morality play. You mentioned it before, but I mean, we should do a better job of respecting other cultures and other beliefs versus, well, let's just dig it up and do whatever with it. That sort of thing. There's at least something to it. So I don't feel like this is the worst one we watched.
1: It kind of has the cardinal sin of just being extremely forgettable. Yes. It's it's not exactly boring, but it's,
0: it's, it's hard there. to
1: follow. You remember it for the parts that you maybe shouldn't remember it for like you remember it for the cats this is the cat episode this is the one with all the cute little kitty cats that are are trying to claw through a wooden door and not in fact doing the thing that cats do which is they stick their little paw under and they go yeah
0: i thought that was pretty funny so
1: i mean there's a just domesticated house cats and you cut to them quickly they're all sitting there like perfectly like they're waiting for treats you know they're not you can hear the yowling and stuff because it's been added in post but
0: What's that? Hang on. Hang on. I'm getting a call. But oh, producer Basil wants us to stop saying bad things about House cats.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: You know what? I don't have good things to say about though. The movie Fight Club starring Brett. Oh no, wait. This isn't the movie. This is season seven, episode 20. Episode 20. 20. Remember 20. when seasons had 20 some odd episodes?
1: Well, in fact, this season had 22 episodes and
0: the name of the episode is Fight Club.
1: The name of the episode is Fight Club, but this season had 22 episodes. This is two episodes away from, spoiler alert, 321. This is two episodes away from David is quitting The X-Files. So it was, a, it was a big thing at the time, and it very much impacted the show.
0: After this episode, I would have quit The X-Files. This is directed by Paul Shapiro. Astute top three, bottom three listeners will note that Paul Shapiro directed the worst episode of Smallville, Thirst. It was the only one of the group of bottom three that absolutely had essentially no redeeming quality. And oh boy, his record of quality continues in this one.
1: You say that.
0: I hated this episode. No, I know. Don't don't worry.
1: Don't don't worry. I'm not I I, sir, sir, I am not I'm not saying you didn't, sir. And I'm not saying that's warranted, sir. Also I have very strong opinions, sir. But I remember we talked about this at the time. We were watching it, and you know, at least you can it is well directed. Everything is where it's supposed to be. You see the things you're supposed to see, you know? It is a perfectly functional television show.
0: Minus the script, it's
1: not poorly direct. Yeah, really, the only thing that's kind of going wrong here is it's a, it's a kooky idea, and it's it's a it's weird.
0: The script is, we're in Kansas.
1: Oh yeah, we are. That's right. We're in Kansas the most City. Most exciting.
0: Kansas City. State. Kansas? No, it is not Kansas City. It's a small town.
1: No, it's Kansas. Any case,
0: they're in Kansas, which is a state in America. Astute state. listeners will know that is a state. All right. In any case. So the plot of the episode is there are two Kathy Griffiths.
1: Yeah. Kathy Griffith guest stars
0: playing two separate characters. These are two women. Twins. No, they're not. But we'll get into that. That is okay. a later thing. They are not twins. That is Alleg- not how any of this worked.
1: Alleged twins. They are played by the same actress.
0: Yes. They are, in theory, the same. They're very similar. They have similar personality traits and quirks. The issue is anytime they are close to each other, violence ensues. Mm -hmm. People just immediately become violent Mm -hmm. or something weird happens. Those are the two things that happen. It's mostly violent. The only sort of weird instance we get is Mulder gets sucked into a sewer for most of the episode. He probably should have just stayed there because... This is so he whatever. did for
1: a little while. So the paranormal thing in this episode is you have got these, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the T word. Do not we'll get into that. You got this this pair of twins, these two seemingly identical people who are different people. One drives a red sports car, the other one drives a blue sports car, the other one has a red keychain, the other one has a blue keychain. They are the same person except for like it's twin stuff. It's it's stereotypical twin stuff when they are nearby and they don't even necessarily have to see one another although it doesn't help everything just gets wild people start punching stuff the ground starts shaking you remember the bar where we we were in that bar and the bartender was making his little he was making his little pyramid out of glasses and that's that's i that's that's funny that's good directing you know that's that's a setup and a payoff when the earthquake happens, it's like, oh no. And then you see him later on, and he's trying to rebuild the tower.
0: Bad directing is the fact that the tower doesn't make any sense in the first place, though.
1: Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, that's.
0: I feel like you're getting to the heart of the episode here in terms of they both are in love with the same man, Bert Zupanik, played by former boxer Randall Cobb. In any case, Bert is a career criminal. They both are in love with him. They both want to be with him. This is the crux of the antagonism. They want to be away from each other, but alternatively, they both want the same man, which puts them both in the same orbit.
1: Yeah, so they've they've been unbeknownst because they're twinsies. They are the same person. Uh, Of course, twins are not unique people, obviously. That was a joke. That was not real. That was a stereotype is that they, they've they sort of been following each other around because they have the same mind and the same thoughts. City to city, like 40 different cities throughout the last, you know, 10, 20 years of their life. But they keep having to move on because they keep running into each other in the same places and they do not get along. And every time they're together, there's this weird kind of aggression that influences like a whole city block. Now they're in Kansas City. They're in... Kansas City and they both do not know that the other one is like dating Bert but Bert knows that there's two there's like a weird twinsy thing going on so they both say no no no, this is this is it you know I've been moving around and around you know every three months for the last 10 years I'm I want to stay here the other person can leave I'm staying here turns out Scully just does some good old detective work, I guess. Scully finds out who the biological father of, of the twins is. Not different mothers, which we'll get into that. But the biological father of the twins is a very, very angry man. And so it is implied that he has passed on this aggression.
0: The anger gene. He
1: has passed, he has passed on the anger gene, the ang gene, if you will. To any number of children via his, his donation some 20 years ago, 30 years ago, which is wild, man. That's a, I, I have to hand it to him. It is, it is at least original. For a very long time, this was considered, like bar none, the worst episode of The X-Files. I disagree. I actually very much like parts of this episode. I think, I think it's amusing.
0: No, the best parts of this episode are we're now in season seven. So the interplay between Mulder and Scully has significantly changed and it's entertaining. That is the entertaining portion of it. The issue is, or my crux for it, is similarly to the previous episode, the antagonism falls apart, but for a very different reason. And in this case, it's just, there's no reason there's nothing none of this makes any sense yeah turns out there's they're not actually twins well they're not on. twins so, wait, wait, that's wait, wait, not how biology works before before even before that
1: turns out when Scully goes to the prison to talk to the very angry man because of course he is he's in prison he's angry man he's been doing angry things she just happens to walk by huh? a second Bert Zupanik this is kind of where you had more of an issue with it, and I, I I kind of tend to agree now.
0: It just comes out of left field.
1: It kind of comes out of left field, and, like, what would have happened if she just hadn't stumbled on there?
0: Also, he just happens to be in the same city again. He just happens to have been the one of the two of them that got caught. He just, ha- it's...
1: I also don't know if it's implied that he was also... Bread of, you know, this original angry dad. But he's clearly much older.
0: That's sort of the other question I had is is there a lot of infreating going on here? I don't know. That puts another slant on this. That's not pleasant. There's uh, there's nothing about this that was No, that's I shouldn't say that. The again, the discussions between Walder and Scully, in particular before they go to the town, are good. It's but cute. after that, there's nothing to this. It is not... I was not even remotely entertained. It is boring. It is... I've seen people refer to it as a comedy. It's not funny. There's it's, nothing in this that's yeah. funny. Aside from that interplay bit, just at the start of the episode, there's nothing amusing or anything. There's no jokes. There's no punchline. There's no... You're forced to see the same scene with the same people repeatedly. Yes. And I know what they're going for. It just completely falls flat. It's not good. It is. It really feels like just they needed 20 somewhat episodes in the season. They can't all be winners.
1: Yeah. Funny you should say that about how because it's, it's twinsies, right? Because it's twinsies, right? It's the same scene repeated, so we're going to see the same scene pretty much from two different angles. But because it's twinsies, it's not going to be that different. Put a pin in that, Radio Land listeners, because we're going to come back to that. No, I thought I thought this episode was amusing. It used to be sort of I, I used to fall in with a you know the the bad crowd that has a bad influence and say like oh yeah Fight Club is the worst episode. I do I do think it's amusing. I think it's shot well. I could see a heck of a lot more than I could in, in Tesos Dos Michos. I think the cardinal sin is that it's, it's weird. Like, I can appreciate it for the weirdness. I can appreciate it for its originality. They tried to do something, and I, I appreciate that they tried. It didn't super work out.
0: Yes, and we'll get into it with the top episodes, mm. but they try weird stuff. And it works out and you can still have a coherent story and coherent reasoning for things. But in this episode, it really just feels like stuff just happens. Yeah. Everybody, frankly, doesn't come off looking very good in it. Mm-hmm. Our characters are idiots. The standard cast are idiots.
1: Mulder is, is weirdly dejected about Scully like being Good at stuff that he's usually good at. That 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 kind of. Like it's it's funny. It's cute you know. Oh she's now getting the paralogical. Paranormal bubbles. The things. Uh, don't worry about it. These are words that you will learn in, in X-Files 40, 409. It's interesting
0: calls. because this is two episodes before David Duchovny leaves the show. I feel like they could have done something more.
1: They absolutely could have. And they probably should have. Because this and the episode right before this are very tonally different than what you would think you would be going for if you weren't even sure if the series could survive that departure. Because David Duchovny, his last episode as as a regular, if you will, is the season seven finale. And that's two episodes away. That's Requiem. And then from then on, everything changes. It's not X-Files like we've known it before.
0: Speaking of this season, though, oh god, our next episode is only seven episodes early. There is a tie for a third worst episode of The X-Files. A season one episode, episode nine, is tied there. Normally, I would have gone with that because it's from a different season. Mm. However, A, I remembered this episode being awful yeah. from the first time I ever saw it. B... The title of the episode is first person shooter, yep. which if you pay any attention to this show and the video games and other sort of nerdy dorkstick references we make, we had to do this one. Also, we get the lone gunman for the first time. First time in top three, bottom three. Yeah. Mercifully, they will appear in a top episode so I can watch the appearance of them out of this one, but oh boy.
1: Yeah, this one is bad. This one is not. This one is not a good episode of the X Files. It doesn't make any sense. Even the paranormal stuff is is so far fetched that it it strains. It's pretty paranormal.
0: T- it's tech. No normal. Whatever.
1: Yeah. So uh, funny you should mention the lone gunman. Right.
0: Call our heroes Aster in the middle of a video game. So the said video game is first person shooter. It is some sort of virtual reality slash altered reality game that puts you into the game with guns that work and you shoot at the enemies slash enemy targets. But one of the testers was killed outside of the game's parameters by a digital image of a woman who is scantily clad, ton of butt shots, right? Like, I don't. What the, what was this? Chris Carter, what are you doing? Chris Carter directed this.
1: Yeah, well, William Gibson.
0: Was one of the two writers, yes, with Tom Maddox. Tom Maddox, I assume, is the former Steelers quarterback who would have been playing at roughly this time. Jokes aside, this is not good. So Mulder and Scully investigate. It's discovered that there is a... There's a rogue program character showing up in the game based on a scan of a stripper taken. Mm -hmm. Turns out one of the women working on the game put her in to sort of give her back some form of empowerment. In this, Mulder faces off against her in the game. Scully ends up saving him. The lone gunman discover that the woman had a kill switch in there the whole time shift alt blood and they just end the game and everyone's okay it is so cool
1: it's so cool
0: none of it none of it is well done at all there's so many mistakes in this all right let's start at the first obvious one does everybody who has a copy of this game do they need a gigantic warehouse to play in the game just doesn't really work so the game is placed in a gigantic empty room
1: well but is it so here's the thing this whole episode makes zero sense and the more you sort of learn about technology the less sense it makes
0: let me finish though so the game is in this room they wear vests which register laser tag register hits and cover them in paint this by the way is prohibitively expensive because you got to clean each of these in between games so does every place that has this game have 50 vests so they can just go through them Or they can just, or can they just have like one group play per day? Cause they only have three vests and they got to refill the paint. They got to clean it. They got to also, how does it fit every single person? Because we see one of the first three testers is we will say overweight. He is of a, of a questionable physique to be running around and diving and shooting. And the vest fits him fine. He's not even the one who dies. There's a vest that fits Mulder fine. Mm-hmm. There's a vest that fits Scully fine. Mm-hmm. There's a vest that fits what's his face, the Byers, famous Langley
1: and Frohickey.
0: No, I Man. meant the famous first person guy who everybody fond over Sure, anyway.
1: terrible Musashi.
0: He's a gaming god. My next problem is the game is terrible. The game is exactly what somebody who never played a video game would think an exciting video game would be.
1: Yeah, which is weird because, again, it's William Gibson.
0: And I like the the end, by the way, when Scully enters the game to save Mulder. She just randomly sort of waves the gun around. She shows no facial expression or emotion whatsoever and is just waving this sort of fake thing around. We see there's no feedback from anything. There's no signs of the bullets bouncing off anything when they miss. Or the whole episode just strikes me as intensely lazy. Nobody considered any idea from it beyond this might look cool or be cool. And then it's not.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's it's like, wouldn't it be cool if? But it's not even. So William Gibson, by the way.
0: Is better than this?
1: First of all, so he's the guy responsible for the term cyberspace, number one. Number two, he is the, the writer of books like Neuromancer and things like that, which really are foundational in terms of thinking of things like cyberpunk or the sort of technological uh, kind of weird intermeshing between man and machine and, and human civilization and things like that what is, what is this? William Gibson, what is this? William Gibson, presumably you have played a video game in your life and they had video games at the time. They had first person shooters at the time. Half-Life is what, 1998? Half-Life's coming out next month, next year. Half-Life's coming out next year. William Gibson. I think
0: you mean negative two years from when this aired. Half-Life? This came out in 2000. First person shooter.
1: Uh, Good. Uh, Good. Good. I was testing you. I was testing you. You're right. I don't know why I thought 1997 for some reason. Probably just because my brain was so filled with other X-Files related academic. It's filled with something. So. Yeah. So, but have you ever played a video game, man? Like it's, it's so wild. It's laser tag. Essentially. It is presented as laser tag, but with what we would now call augmented reality which is they've got these stupid laser tag vests and these stupid laser tag guns that are not, they don't have real bullets in them. And these dinky little sunglasses that presumably are what's like feeding the VR-ness into it. But as it turns out, the game can eat people. Mulder disappears into the game, as in he's not in the warehouse anymore. It's it's a little too far fetched. It strains credulity. It's it's weird.
0: It feels like nothing was thought of, as in like nothing was thought out. And again, like the previous episode, stuff just happens. That is kind of the problem with the X Files. When things sort of fall flat on these types of episodes, you're left with nothing better but to sort of nitpick.
1: Yeah, and it, it's, it's confusing, it's weird. It takes place, there's three sets, really. Technically four, I guess, if you count them work. But it's, it's weirdly bland. It is, I, I don't know why this popped into my head, but that episode of Murder, She Wrote, where she's doing the virtual reality thing that we watched on Pushing Up Roses, it kind of reminds me of that room. Like, that's their mission control room. There's two people programming all of this on probably at best, like a 466 megahertz Pentium 3. There's no graphics card in the computer that they open yeah. up to like tinker around. It, it you turned to me and you said, you know, they've got all our webs. It has, they, they've they got all our they've webs They've taken energy. all of
0: our webs, How which ones? all of them.
1: It has that energy. It's that techno babble. And we're supposed to think
0: that it's important. This was huge in the 2000s though yeah. of Having some sort of episode about the, and there's even a discussion in this one about the, the evils and the potential goods of video games, Mm -hmm. but they're almost always hilariously out of touch with what games actually are and what they can and can't do and what they can and can't represent. And this is one of the worst of them, which is saying something because this is the X-Files this is a show of dorks by dorks frankly when we Mm -hmm. get into the top three it's almost all people from star trek the next generation or people who are fans of star trek the next generation so to have it just kind of i what happened this is one of those that i don't know where it fell apart was it the conception of the episode implementation of the episode but the end result is every single part of it fell apart. It might be the worst of the three in yeah. terms of it. I don't 100%. know that it angered me more because my issue with Fight Club is just mm. it doesn't have any type of co- of a coherent story. This one has a coherent story. It just doesn't mm. make any sense. It's not put together Perhaps we have at different all. Different
1: ideas of what coherent means. But yeah, yeah no, well, neither mean... of them are
0: good. Like there's there can't be an argument. They don't belong on the same list as the number one worst, though, to me. Correct. I mean, it's cardinal sin is that it's boring, but at least it doesn't insult my intelligence by being stupid.
1: Yeah, no, first-person shooter, solid choice. Absolutely should be on this list. The other ones are strong opinions, strong opinions all around.
0: Yep. Season 5, episode 12. Should be noted, directed by Cliff Bowl which genre folks will remember him as a director of a multitude of Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, written by a very young, new to television, Vince Gilligan. Genre fans and fans of amazing television will know him as the showrunner, writer, and really driving force behind Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Not to mention huge Star Trek fan, weird sort of coincidence. It's there, but in any case,
1: and here's where viewers in Radio Land, you're going to want to take the pin out of that little note card on your conspiracy theory board that says "same scene repeated," because we're we're doing Rashomon.
0: But this is how it's done right,
1: and this is how it's done right and interesting.
0: Our story is told out of order. We open with Mulder chasing down. And as we see Mulder do frequently, of course, he chases down a young man and drives a stake through his heart, killing them
1: because he thinks he's a vampire.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, right. Sorry. This wasn't Mulder's usual sort of just random killings. No, just kidding. So Mulder thinks he has quartered a vampire. The agents return to DC essentially <laughs> with people asking what the heck just happened because Mulder just killed a boy who had.
1: Fangs. Like a teenage boy, because he thought he was a vampire.
0: However, the fangs were not real.
1: Yeah, incredible cold open. Probably the best cold open in the series.
0: Apparently, FBI agents, even in X Files, are not allowed to run around and just indiscriminately kill people during investigations.
1: Who knew? Well, he was he was a white kid, and and also wow. um, an actor that, at least Canadian viewers, I would ha- hazard to guess. Probably know from, I think he was like not necessarily a child actor, but like an actor, a, like a preteen actor and a teen actor.
0: The FBI face a lawsuit from the family. And because of this, both of our main characters are forced to recount their side of the story leading up to Mulder chasing the boy.
1: Essentially because they want to make sure they get their story straight before they have to go into a meeting with their boss and explain why Mulder killed the boy because he thought he was a vampire.
0: Their boss, Skinner... Oh, sorry. Skinner? Weird coincidence there, by the way. Anywho, they recount the stories individually to each other, yes. We open with Scully's version of events. And it should be noted that... The differences in the stories are played somewhat for comedy, actually not somewhat they're played for comedy. Let's be honest. It's also how they perceive each other at this point. This is season three or sorry, season five. See, now you have me doing it. This is season five of the show. They're a little more used to each other, but it's interesting to see how they perceive each other and how they perceive how one another goes. At investigating these sorts of things.
1: Yeah, so Mulder goes first because he did the with the thingy.
0: He does not go first. Scully, in fact, goes first.
1: Yeah, pop, pop quiz, that's correct. Scully, in fact, goes first because she did not do the thing with the thingy. And she recounts her version of events, which is that she comes into the office and she's perfectly normal. Mulder's. Yeah, hope you got your cowboy boots, Skelly, because we got to go to Texas. We got vampires. Look at that—they sucked off. Oh God, they sucked dry a cow, and then there's another cow, and then there's another cow, and then another cow, and all the slide projectors going, and then one dead human. And so now she's got to be dragged all the way off to, what is it, Lubbock, Texas? Uh, 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 a town just outside of Texas, of Cheney, Texas, or something like that. Population three forty one. They got to go meet with the beautiful, m- beautiful, handsome sheriff man, played, played by, by Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson. Yes. Played by Luke Wilson, who does a phenomenal job in this. Mulder is is going off and on about how, oh my god, you know, have you noticed this man's shoes are untied? Things like that. He's doing Mulder stuff. He's very. Amped up Mulder, which there's a layer of truth to, frankly, they split the party, Scully goes off to do first one autopsy and then a second one, and it's at that point that she discovers that these people were being poisoned. Mulder might be in danger of being poisoned. She runs out to the motel where Mulder is indeed being attacked by uh by the boy shoots at him, figures she missed four shots, but the fifth one hit a tire. And the boy runs off into the woods. And by the time she had caught up with the boy, Mulder had evidently gotten there first and and, and done the 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 thingy.
0: By the time she came across them, Mulder had already staked his claim.
1: And then we see Mulder's version of events where day starts off. Same thing. They're both in the office. Mulder is very subdued. You know, hope you brought your cowboy boots, Scully. And she is just, just the worst. She is just the worst
0: girl. Very dismissive, kind of a jerk, grumpy to do anything.
1: Just a real lich, you know. She just. Why do we have to go to Dallas? And there's there's a layer of truth to that too, frankly. So in her version of events, Mulder is is 110% Mulder on Mulder all the time. In Mulder's version of events, she is 100% dour, skeptic, Scully. And the truth, frankly, lies somewhere in between. They go to meet the the still very, very good looking Sheriff
0: Hartwell. Well, not really, because that's my favorite joke in the entire thing is the sheriff in Mulder's version has an overbite and comically enlarged teeth.
1: He's also an idiot.
0: Yeah, he's also a gigantic doofus. He has buck teeth and an overbite. Yes, uh, overbite. I really liked that.
1: Which is and, and so in Mulder's version of events, Scully is on a different planet. She's not paying attention. She's trying to put a glove on to do like an exam, but she's making goo-goo eyes at, at Luke Wilson's Sheriff Hartwell. Sheriff Hartwell is desperately trying to use what Mulder perceives to be both his brain cells to try to follow along with Mulder, of course, who's elucidating how... How the cultural impacts of vampires and so on and so forth, while Scully is trying to trying you know not to not to just just fall into those deep, deep baby brown eyes of of Sheriff Hartwell, Mulder splits a party, Scully goes off and does Scully things. This is where we get Mulder's version of events, and this is also where we are seeing the same scenes repeated, but also they diverge, so it's not literally just seeing that same, literally the same scenes over and over again. We get one or two of that and they're different enough that it is funny because you have seen the other version of it but it's not literally just two Kathy Kathy Griffiths doing essentially the same thing just with slightly different words. Mulder tells Scully she has to do another autopsy and it's like 11 o'clock at night. She's not having it. She is 130% big lich energy Scully. Mulder eats the pizza that she had ordered. Scully, at the same moment in her version of events, is discovering that the pizza was the last thing that both victims ate before they succumbed to whatever killing vampirism, whatever's going on. Mulder is attacked by the young boy who presents as a vampire. He's got little fangs and little glowing eyes. Mulder thinks that the boy jumps at Scully like a like some sort of flying squirrel, and that actually Scully had hit him with all four of her shots, like directly to the chest. He just, he's a vampire, so he just, bleh, he went off. Mulder finds a sharp piece of wood and Mulder does the, the thing with the thingy.
0: We go to the autopsy of the now deceased boy. However, when the stake is removed by the coroner, who is played by Canadian actor Brent Butt.
1: Coroner Gass.
0: Yes, but so one thing and why I wanted to bring this up is the guest star choices in the bottom 3 episodes were not always great. They were sometimes good, but frequently not. The guest star choices in the top 3 are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And in particular this one you mentioned Luke Wilson, I mean Brent Butt is perfect to be sort of a sort of the, the dumpy sort of like dumpy snide coroner you know he looks at the steak and he goes hmm
1: cause of death that's a toughie and kids just got a big old steak i'm so excited talking about this i just kind of we kind of devolved have you noticed until like too little and then my favorite part was this and then my favorite part was this
0: he does the autopsy kid wakes up gets up and attacks him Mulder no longer in trouble because it turns out that the body's gone And he attacks the coroner, so he was not l dead. They end up having to fly back to Texas. Mulder splits the party again, which at this point, not a great idea, Mulder. Mulder, have you not watched any horror films? Scully is left with Sheriff Luke Wilson, regaling her with tales of the boy and how he doesn't know how to keep a low profile. Which, if you're paying any attention, means that the entire town are vampires. Mulder discovers this when he finds the coffin the boy is in and gets surrounded by the rest of the RV camp. Mulder, by the way, tries to use breadsticks to form a cross, which is just not working. It's great. It is amusing. It is very well done. Mulder and Scully are knocked out scully it turns out her coffee was drugged by sheriff luke handsome luke we in the episode with the rv lot is empty could you could you say in fact
1: that the entire town Huh? huh huh
0: the entire town what
1: what what do you say when picked up uh, at stakes?
0: Yeah. Picked up yeah. a st- well.
1: <laughs> This is why we leave the jokes
0: to me. It's so much better. This is a really good episode. Everything worked. The storytelling, being told backwards and then from alternate viewpoints, in this case, works really well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's Rashomon. It's the same crime, or events leading up to a crime or after a crime being described, but as the different individuals involved view them.
0: Yeah, the comedy you works versus because the retelling is slightly different, that sort of thing, versus Fight Club where the retelling doesn't work because the joke is, haha, they're doing the same thing again.
1: Everybody is very much in character, even in the parts of each other's story where they are... Extreme versions of their character, it it just it just works. It just works. Vince Gilligan, again, this is he wrote it. As again, strong opinions. We'll probably get into this in a variety episode. You should subscribe to the podcast to get that hot take from me. But uh, so Vince Gilligan has been writing for the X Files since season two, and season two is where it starts to get very good. It starts to become like the X Files, the phenomenon, and rightly so vince gilligan is is we are finding out sort of with the lens of history, very much probably the reason for that. And this is him still young, still cutting his teeth in TV, even though he's got a little bit of experience. This is him in full force, and then he goes on to create Breaking Bad. incredible. Everybody is on point. Everybody is doing an incredible job. Everything is right from. The direction to the casting to locations to acting—it's—it's—it's it's, it's all so tightly and professionally done.
0: It's funny I mean, you look up Vince killigan's career, and this episode is only sort of barely in the top ten things he's written. And mm-hmm. this is the top X Files episode. Yeah, this is rated nine point two on IMDb. And was the highest rated episode we watched. It is very good. The next episode we watched was also very good. Mm-hmm. The next episode is Clyde Bruckman's final repose. This is season three, episode four. So we're going back two years on the show. This is another sort of non X Files story arc. This is just sort of an X Files story, and yeah. This one opens with a (laughs) psychic getting killed. And one of my favorite lines of, well, yeah, if you're psychic, you'd know. You really should have seen this coming. So
1: the episode is called Clyde Bruckman's final repose. Who's Clyde Bruckman? Clyde Bruckman is a mild mannered insurance agent who just happens to be able to see how people die. That's it. That's the extent of his his paranormal psychic powers. It's very interesting to see how Mulder in particular reacts with disappointment that like so all you can do is tell me how people are going to die. They use this power of Clyde's Clyde is played by Peter Boyle, who does an excellent excellent job. They use this power to try to help stop a serial killer who's going around killing psychics and people who could possibly give him some insight into why he's doing the things that he's doing. He doesn't know why he kills. He wants to know why he kills. And in the end, Clyde Bruckman will tell him why he does that. It has little character-based jokes in it. So, you know, they've got you've got silliness like the psychic that they Police force brings in to take a look at one of the crime scenes, the stupendous Yappy, who's very much your t v psychic of you know I see a man he's he's between seventeen and forty four He may or may not have a mustache, he could have a tattoo. it's that kind of thing, and Yappy calling out Mulder for having negative energy and impacting the readings, so Mulder has to go stand outside because he he doesn't believe in this psychic stuff when we as the audience know. No, that's not the case. That's that's the joke. It's very well done. It's very thought-provoking in a way. Clyde Bruckman was so obsessed with all the things, the permutations and the combinations that had to happen such that the Big Bopper got onto the flight with Buddy Holly because of a coin toss. And it's on that obsession. Of what what all had to happen for that coin toss to have ended up like that coin toss that apparently can give you these psychic powers of being able to tell how people are going to die, so ever since he's been able to tell how people are going to die, even him there's a part that i I didn't really catch on to with this episode. it's really very much more deep than you would think it is a little bit more bad blood is silly but it's it's funny it's tight it is everything is in the right places peter boyle does an excellent job but he's he's also he's also kind of dry in a little way and it's the questions that this episode asks like you know what what all things had to happen for me to be on this podcast right now, to be saying the words that I'm saying. How many tiny little things had to happen for that to be where we are now? Something I didn't pick up on when I was younger and and more depressed, but oddly more naive, was he's, he's sick of this, man. He doesn't want this power. All he does is he can see people die. Talk about a kick in the head. You know, you've got psychic powers. And, and by the way, it's only just so you can see how people die. And you will see how people die. It doesn't. If you touch something, you're going to see how it happens. He talks himself into helping Mulder because he doesn't want to help Mulder. He doesn't want to see or be any part of this weird investigation where he's got to see these gruesome things. But then he talks himself into it because he starts off by saying, what if my helping you changes the future that I see? What if all the things that I see don't come to pass because of my changing it? What if something something else happens? The implication being, you know, what if something worse? What if, What if the future is really written? And that's why he can see it. What if, what if, what if? But then he kind of thinks of it and he's like, he hates his life. So he's on board. He's on board with changing the future because he's just had enough of his life right now. He's just sick of it he's he just kind of thinks about it for a second and then just looks at Mulder and says so when do we start so and that's it's it's a great episode it's very thought-provoking
0: yeah it's well acted it's well plotted Clyde Bruckman the character ends up being just he's an excellent everyman
1: Yeah, he's just a normal guy. He's just a normal insurance guy. He has a one bedroom, not even, I think it's like a bachelor's apartment. I think his bed was in the same room as his kitchen, you know? Like, he's just a schlub of a guy. He sells insurance, which is a great, we have a great little scene where he's trying desperately to sell insurance to a young couple who really just were thinking of buying a boat with that money. And he's, you know, you don't get it, do you, kid? You know, two years from now, driving down Highway 97, You're going to be hit full on by a drunk driver. It's a great, it's a great, of course, what else would you do? You go sell insurance. What else are you going to do? You know how everybody's going to die. Brilliant little things like that. Extremely, extremely well done.
0: It's probably the best done, I would argue, episode of The Batch that we watched. End statement.
1: There's a strong argument to be made. People, people like the 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 top episodes it's very difficult for people historically of course being the greatest professor ever uh, of everything but also the x-files in the in the you know forums and stuff at the time there were like four three or four episodes that kind of switch like everybody like oh no this is my favorite you know or, so but it's it's all kind of the same couple of episodes bad blood is always at the top Clyde Brockman's Final Repose is usually up there as well.
0: It should be. I think it deserves to be. It's very good. But having said that.
1: More X-File than Bad Blood, I will say.
0: Is one of those episodes that people enjoy. Anasazi. No. Which is a season two episode. Episode 25. It's the season two finale. Now, this one is heavy into the X-Files story arc.
1: This is a mythology episode.
0: For the uninitiated, the X-Files story arc at this point is as follows. Mulder is on the X-Files essentially looking for what happened to his sister who was abducted by aliens. Mulder believes there is some form of a government conspiracy regarding it. And he engages with it in the hopes of finding what happened to her.
1: Yeah, the truth is out there.
0: Yes. This episode sees Mulder receiving an encrypted disk which contains all of the Defense Department's top secret files involving extraterrestrial life.
1: It's the MJ-12 documents.
0: So Mulder gets this file, opens it up. He discovers, oh no, I can't read this, it's gibberish. Scully takes a look at it and realizes, oh yes, you could read this, but you do not understand the language used, which was a code from the second world war.
1: It's not just any code. So there's, it's, it's Navajo. It's written in Navajo. The Navajo code talkers were actually a thing in World War II. In real life. Yes. Yep.
0: So this leads Mulder on a path. However, before they can end up with the Navajo and get this red. Mulder himself becomes a target during this. He is drugged. So he is becoming increasingly erratic. Someone tries to shoot him through the window. And it's not Mulder in the apartment though. It's Scully. Thankfully they just graze her.
1: The Scully is fine.
0: Cry check. Everyone's favorite evil agent on the show. Kills Mulder's father. When Mulder's father attempts to warn Mulder of the conspiracy and speak to him of his role in it,
1: he was just about to tell him all of 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 William Mulder's work as a as a shadow government guy. He was just about to spill the beans, but he's he's been taking some medication. he just has to step into the other room for a moment.
0: yeah, guess give the Jack. Mulder at this point is. He took a swing at his boss. Yeah, he's been kicked out of the FBI. He also essentially becomes the top suspect because he's the only one around his father being killed.
1: And he's been weirdly aggressive, we yes. soon find out, because of the LSD. But uh, as far as we know, he's just unhinged. He's taken a swing at his boss for nothing.
0: Mulder traps Krycek. Scully is forced to shoot Mulder, knowing that if Mulder just kills Krycek. It'll look like he killed both his father and Krychek and they won't get anywhere. So she ends up shooting Mulder. She takes him to the Navajo where he spends a couple days recuperating. The Navajo, in the episode's teaser, discovered what seemed to be alien remains.
1: In a boxcar. Yes. In a desert.
0: They take Mulder out to the, they take Mulder out to the boxcar. Mulder discovers the boxcar is filled with the burned remains of aliens, seemingly. However, they have the smallpox vaccine marks Ooh. on them. At this point, Cigarette Smoking Man, the great antagonist of the entire series, using cell phone, discovered Mulder's location. They attempt to burn everything in said boxcar. Which cut off a conversation between Mulder and Scully in which Scully has deciphered some of the documents.
1: Her name is in those files.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Season finale to be continued.
1: Yeah, should also be noted. Can- Cancer Man, if you, now you got me thinking of it. We'll get to that. But uh, the cigarette smoking man, CGB spender, if you will, shows up in a, in a, black unmarked helicopter and he's got army guys and the army guys go in and they go 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 and they go into the box car and they're trying to find Mulder they don't find Mulder Mulder's not in the box car or they say they I mean I don't know I don't know Mulder is not in the box car So you know what fine blow up the box car but we as the audience are like oh no Mulder's probably still in the box car and then they set fire to the box car and then it's executive producer Chris Carter to be continued
0: This one's a little harder to evaluate because it takes part. It is very reliant on knowledge of the art Mm -hmm. in terms of the X-Files, but we've both seen the series. So it works. It also works really well. And it also results in the top three episodes. So there's no ties here either. The top three episodes essentially distill the essence of the X-Files. You have... An episode that is a one off and fairly comedic, but well put together. And it tells the story in an interesting way that you don't necessarily see on your standard one hour episode of Law and Order or whatever.
1: Mm. And then you, you got have an episode, at least procedural, essentially.
0: You have an episode with a little more ability wise slash X Files wise in terms of mm. their actual functional psychics in the episode including the killer and the titular character in Clyde Bruckman. And then we get the conspiracy-heavy episode, which is related to the serialized nature of the X-Files. So you really get one of each.
1: Yeah, you did. I I don't know why this is so highly rated over a number of other mythology-heavy episodes. I'm going to say lore because that's what the kids call it.
0: I'll tell you why I think so. It's sort of the, it's one of the things we talk about pretty frequently off air in terms of shows. And that is this episode takes place early enough in the X files. It offers up some answers to the questions that have been put forth earlier on in the series. It also brings up new ones. It continues the story and it moves it forward. But it does so in a way that's not unsatisfying. Mm. Whereas when you get into some of the later X-Files story arc stuff, it's kind of lost the initial ideas the series had.
1: Yeah. It's still, it's still young enough in, cause in theory, Mulder and Scully have maybe been working together for two years. It's still early enough in their relationship where. The whole thing about the X-Files is that Scully was supposed to be assigned to him to debunk his work. Yep. So he's, he starts off the series, season one, episode one. He doesn't trust her very much. That changes, obviously, over the course of the relationship.
0: Yeah, she is an antagonist, essentially, mm-hmm. to him and to where he wants to go and what he wants to get to. And the story is sort of them, no, it turns out, mulder's kind of right and she you know he's able to convince her they get closer
1: i won't spoil it but by the end of season two she also has skin in the game so Mulder's lost his sister everybody knows that she's also been seriously affected by the conspiracy that's why her name is in those files the audience will understand what that means in New time in in some, well, at the time they will understand like, oh my God, that's probably related to what she went through in season two. Yeah. But, you know, as we go on, it, it, it gets kind
0: of weird. Well, it gets more convoluted. And this is what I talk about a lot when we're talking about things like Lost, which is Lost worked really well in those initial seasons because they would give you little tidbits. You got tiny answers or things that would move things forward. And sometimes would create alternate questions. The issue is when you do that too much, all you're left with is so many questions and the little tidbits are just not enough. Mm. X-Files has an alternate issue as well in terms of very much created a will they, won't they in laser seasons between Mm. Mulder and Scully. And that is an alternate problem that goes off the deep end in the revival stuff too but we're not going to talk about that right now
1: yeah we're going to save that i do want to do a variety stream where 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 i'm in the hot seat i'm in the hot seat mister because i think there's a lot there's a lot to say about the x-files but
0: anasazi does really well here it very much answers questions with little tidbits that make you want more so, after watching this, it makes me want to watch more of the x files again mm-hmm. and remember that story arc
1: I would say, and we'll get into this into the variety episode, but it it is it's not like Game of Thrones where it just kind of falls off a cliff there no it's it's a little easier, it's a little bit more palatable the fall off
0: yeah there's more there's more of a satisfying yeah, there are more satisfying endings for some of the storylines in the X-Files. It's not, it's not all bad. And again, you know, this represents one of the probably or seemingly stronger episodes in that arc. But yeah, it works really well as a setup. It should be noted that on the IMDb ratings, if you were to continue going through after number three, you get a number of ARC related episodes. This just happened to be the highest rated one, and therefore fell into our criteria for the show.
1: Yeah. It's it's really a show that you should watch it from the beginning. A couple of the season one episodes are are very nineties. Some of Scully's outfits are incredible. So if if you find that unpalatable, just skip to season two. You'll be fine. That's where it really starts to heat up. And then by the end of season nine, there's still excellent television being made. Season
0: season one has good episodes. It's worth watching. It does. So about that, or what you talked about in terms of being 90s, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things I've mentioned on this show and I've talked about a lot is Vince Gilligan's thoughts on the X-Files. I don't agree with him anymore. I don't agree with him on them. Those thoughts being that the background that essentially his feeling is that it needs some type of remake this is something we'll get into in greater detail but here all i'm going to say is it doesn't need it it looks fine so when we're talking about the this show top three bottom three one of the things is is the show worth watching it 100 is in its current form it does not need to be remade or redigitized. So I will go back to some of my comments in the previous episode about Star Trek and some of the comments in earlier episodes and say, no, I was wrong. This doesn't need to be redone. It doesn't matter that some of the backgrounds aren't perfect or shots of models are clearly used during the opening of a particular episode. That stuff doesn't matter what the core of the show is and the stories are still good and none of the visual stuff that is or isn't perfect detracts from that so this is very much worth watching i highly recommend it i would stop at season nine
1: yeah no there's i there are actually good stuff in season nine this is getting out of the top three bottom three
0: yes i just wanted to end with is the show worth watching it is I think, frankly, there is too much other good television to recommend the revival. I think the show functions perfectly well within those first nine seasons and is encompassed perfectly well within them.
1: Funny you should mention shows that we will call it a remake just for the purposes of having a nice segue. Hey, are you going to ask me what my top three bottom three are?
0: In conclusion, X-Files worth watching. Now, before we get to the announcement of the next episode of Top 3, Bottom 3, which will happen in two weeks, I will point out that I chose a show you enjoy. I will also point out before you announce your pick, I love you.
1: <laughs>
0: Hockey Night in Canada? Hockey
1: in Canada? it's arrested development
0: okay i was gonna say that was terrible well i had no idea what you're going with
1: you went you went on for so long no i didn't i had one sentence so i think that'll about do it
0: yeah producer basil bear says it's time to let the show go he's a good boy he's a good little producer
1: i think that'll about do it for the x-files we are going to have a variety sort of follow up to more encompassing X Files dialogue discussion.
0: Abby's rants. Yeah, I have three. The some real answered reality AI. Yeah,
1: I've chosen Arrested Development. <laughs> so we're going to watch top three, bottom three Arrested Development because we could all use a little, a little comedy in our lives these days.
0: Gee, I wonder which seasons the bottom three are going to be from. Oh, well, boy.
1: but you know, we said that about the X-Files.
0: I guess we'll find out because I don't actually look these up in advance. So Yeah,
1: we should start doing that.
0: So a couple notes. No, we shouldn't because this is more amusing to me. The top three bottom three are, I used to have to look through IMTV and find them. You can actually find them on a website called Episode Hive. It's just episodehive, all one word.com. It is so much easier than me going through season by season. I wish I had known about it earlier on.
1: Where can they find us?
0: Well, you can reach out to us on X or Twitter. Up Nerd UpNerdPodcasts. You can find us on Facebook at Up Nerd Podcasts. You can email the show, Up Nerd Podcasts, with an S, at gmail.com.
1: And we are at upnerd.captivate.fm. You probably already know that now that I say that. You know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Arrested Development. Yay. Yay. Arrested Development.
0: Thank you for that outro. Yay. Thank you, everybody. Each one of you, anyone listening is appreciated. Please spread the word of our podcast.
1: Tell them about my outros.
0: Oh, geez. Please don't. (laughs) And have yourself a great day.